Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello Slackers, you're very welcome to the Slacker Podcast. I hope your Christmas records are spinning at the appropriate speed and that your puddings are soaked in brandy. I, myself, am not soaked in brandy, but we're getting to that time that I probably will be. My name is Phil Taggart. I am an Irish broadcaster. I've got a couple of shows on Radio 1, should you want to go and listen to lots of strange and wonderful new music every single week. I've bearded up for Christmas, and uh, I feel feel pretty good about myself. I'm not one of these people that could generally normally grow a beard, but I've obviously reached that point in my life where... The hair is like falling off the top of my head, but it's growing everywhere else. Uh, I've just finished writing my book, The Slacker's Guide to the Music Industry, which is going to come out next year. And I thought, right, if you're going to finish writing a book, you've got to go in full pretentious author with it. You've got to get a beret. Haven't got that yet. Get a polo neck t-shirt. Haven't got that yet either, but I've got the full on winter beard going on. This week we have got churches on the podcast. They are the salvation of synth pop from Scotland. One for the alliteration fans there. Uh, they have laid down three albums of pure interesting pop music um, on us at that point. And it was just great to have uh, two thirds of uh, churches in uh, for a little chinwag. Uh, we recorded this way back in May as well. So I mean, we've had this one sitting in the vault for a, a little while. Um, they're just an absolutely incredible band. And we got through so much of their actual recorded music and so much of the things that like they wanted to get off their chest and some of the things I wanted to ask them as well. And before we get into uh, the full podcast, I just want to let you know that this week's podcast is sponsored by The Economist. The Economist magazine is something... Before I actually read it, before I actually got into it, I thought it was associated with like those sort of pinstriped suited uh, men and women uh, of uh, the stock exchange. You know, the ones that use like all sorts of language that you have no idea. 
kind of like the Wolf of Wall Street. I'd imagine those people like read The Economist. And then they were like, right, we want to sponsor your podcast. And I decided, right, okay, right, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to have a good old read of what's going on on it. And do you know what? I couldn't have been further from the truth. This week, I was reading about the rise and fall of Christmas music and how the albums that are made are made by middle-aged people for middle-aged listeners. And to be fair, that's true enough because I've been trying to find Christmas music for my shows at the moment and nobody in any way of any youth is making any Christmas records. What are you guys doing? There's so much money to be made out there. Um, so I thought that was pretty pretty interesting this week in The Economist. For your free print copy of The Economist, just text SLACKER to 78070. That is SLACKER to 78070. And you could have a beautiful Economist magazine in your hand. Okay, right, let's get into it now. And just a word of warning before we start this podcast... This is the only one in series one where we don't have a demo from the band, but we have every other nugget of information that we really need. It's a really good listen. This is the Slacker Podcast with Churches in three. In two, in one. How's it going? We've got uh, Ian and Martin. I can barely see he's behind these pots. I know, I know, I know. I'm just trying to set up straight. I'm trying to work on my posture. <laughs> I just posture. need to set up some mirrors, angled mirrors. That would work. Yeah. Exactly. If I'm if I'm gonna like uh, grill you hard uh, over like the next uh, f- five six hours, um, <laughs> it is because it's gonna be. No, it's not. We don't have uh, we don't have Lauren to protect us. She's sick, unfortunately. Yeah, exactly. She's, what's 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 up with Lauren? She's just re- uh, really overtired. I run down from the from all the singing and that. Early mornings, flights. You know the stuff. It's been a pretty grueling. Uh, couple of weeks i mean like i can barely even form a sentence when i've been on a flight for an hour because that like recycled air kind of <laughs> nah, gets, gets oh, so you can't be good for your voice can it no it's, it's brutal very bad um, can we swear and stuff by the way yeah of course you can yeah oh, it's, it's fucking awesome <laughs> <laughs> have you done t- so many interviews now so many and you yeah. just can't say anything oh we've been getting in trouble because uh uh Surely at this BBC stage three albums then you're not still swearing on the radio yeah well she's had two two this weekend i know it was really one big weekend, and, and she's like, oh, I'm trying not to fuck it up. And then uh, <laughs> yesterday in Radio 5 Live, she said, shitty. I know. <laughs> I mean, there's worse things that have happened out there, really, right. isn't there? Right. I just want to say, hopefully there's no complaints. You know, you get kicked off for that. Yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, well, like, I've, I've seen it from the other side before, where, like, bands will come on at Big Weekend. And they'll say, oh, there's absolutely no swears right. in, in the music whatsoever. And then... They'll swear loads, or there'll be like a track which has got a backing track. There's a lot of backing tracks. Yeah. A big weekend, and it'll just be fuck this and shit. Uh oh. We're going to have to pull this one off the air. Oh, oh, come man. on. So I think, yeah, in the grand scheme of it's things. It's only words. Yeah, exactly. It's it's not too bad. I'm sure you've done worse in interviews at the beginning. Oh, certainly. <laughs> certainly. Um, you catch the wrong people at the wrong time. And they will say anything. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know what I mean? What's the worst thing that you've like slapped your head after after saying oh. it? Oh, God, why did I say that? Can I just bring up the time that we got dumped off a radio broadcast in America because you said oh, shit? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's not really that bad, is it? <laughs> but at the same time, uh, we did. We, it was a live broadcast. It was a kind of mm, high-profile don't, don't say fuck station yeah. uh, in the States. And they dumped the whole show because they couldn't bring it back once it was gone. And I just said, oh, that was going to be shit. 
And they were like, Oh no, man, no. you serious? Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> we're off the air. <laughs> hey, uh, middle America Middle America was out burning churches finals <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> directly Lawrence had one, Lawrence had one, it's my turn now. No, even though you're really well behaved. <laughs> I just like whenever there's a technical problem we turn to Ian and try and get me to do his heavy metal voice <laughs> or like, use totally you as some sort of bastards. I guess it's not even just really the swearing, is it? It's like the you, because you get asked hard questions quite a lot. You, you're obviously going to sometimes just go, <sighs> right, here we go. And you just say something and then it'll be picked up by like enemy or pitchfork or something like that. I, I, that um, that's happened to you quite a lot. Yeah. But I mean, that's, no, normally oh, on the more worthy that, side of things. Then. Remember there was uh, the Linkin Park guy? Oh, Mike Shinoda. And he used to call him a pointless dick or something like that. No, no, no. I said what he, was, <laughs> I said what he said in that interview was a pointless dig. Oh yeah, and it really that really went that really got picked up as Ian calling him a pointless dick, and uh, it started this feud between him and us for some weird reason. I like like a comedy feud though. It's kind of like lightweight and frivolous. As somebody who's like, uh, like music based is based around playing other bands and being interested in it. Oh my! I would open up a butchery because I love the beef so much. Yeah, it's fun. It's, it's a bit of colour, right? A bit of beef is great. What What did Mike Shinoda ping you back at? Well, you know, he started it. He said something about I'm sick of the Disney shit on uh, this Disney sounding shit on alternative radio, yeah. like churches. I want to get back to like rock music or whatever. I, I assume because he was trying to get a rock song playlisted at the time. Yeah, of course. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and he was like. And uh, we found out, an uh, interviewer brought it up to us, which is how this started. Uh-huh. And then we like made a five-hour mega mix on YouTube of, <laughs> where I like took the intro to My Sharona and changed it to Mike Shinoda and just had it loop for dun, hours dun, and dun, hours dun, and hours. Dun, dun, we dun, made a little dun, gif dun, that, said, that had Mike in it. Mike Shinoda. <laughs> we had a little gif with, with him saying, I love churches, like flashing up. And, uh, and, uh, that was and the was, end of it. It was juvenile stuff, but it was fun. <laughs> well, I think the, the best way to come back at something like that is you either have to come back on really the more, um, take the sort of the higher step or come back and just go way lower. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we did. That's what we did. I'm capable of real depth. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, you haven't reached that point in your career yet where um, uh, Noel Gallagher's come after you. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, I no, wouldn't go up against any him. Beef with him. They did, I did a podcast with Will Fallis recently, and um, I think they had uh, some choice words for Liam Gallagher. It's almost like a... Uh, a kind of, a you're, you're doing well. <laughs> if, one, if one of like the sort of grumpy... Yeah, 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 yeah. Grumpy Gallagher brothers come after yeah. you. <laughs> you know, they, do you know? I wouldn't go up against them because they're they're sharp. Those boys, uh, they'll get you. They're hard really, as well. Man, they, they grew up on <clears throat> they grew up on a council estate in yeah. in Manchester. Like yeah. you, you have to be smart because yeah. people from Manchester are witty and they're yeah. clever. And especially when you're on a council because estate, you're on, you're, you're complete. Oh, you're yeah. on your wares the whole time. That's uh, that's the training ground. I mean, I grew up in a council estate in Glasgow. And yeah. It's, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty similar. Well. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, uh, it's really is a evolve or die. Uh, I I grew up like right beside one um, in Oma, and I perfected the walk. Right, <laughs> well, see when you're going past the, the council, council estate, right? Like I lived just just right on the edge of it, mm-hmm. and the, the the guys who are about the same age as me would be uh, like they'd be the sort of bad kids and I wouldn't. Like I was just like sort of I just want to get on with my business, yeah. but, <laughs> but they were the boys who were going to knock everybody shit in yeah so what you have to do is you have to kind of like 
peacock yourself up yeah, puff and, the not, chest and not, look, not look like you're scared, yeah. even though inside you're like, please don't say anything. So <laughs> please don't say, where are you going, you wee dick? <laughs> where but, are they now, though? Um, one is in NASA. Um, the other we, one runs no, Mensa. Are you fucking serious? Uh, no. <laughs> That would be a really cool. I know that'd be a really good story though. He's like a scientist. Yeah, one of them is now Elon Musk. Yeah, you might have heard of him. He's claimed his boyfriend. Listen, we'll 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 take we'll take it out of the uh, out of the red tops um, for a minute because I want to go back to the very beginning um, and talk about like you know how you got into music in the first place and the first sort of that first like little eureka moment, the little bulb that went off in your head and you heard uh, a record or a track or a relative playing guitar or something and you were just like right this one this is for me oh you mean way back yeah way, way back, back way back way back early I know, days i know i know the moment Go completely my uh, aunt and uncle were like a duo with like, a backing band that played in butlins <laughs> oh right so they were yeah they did butlins to anybody who is listening to this outside of the the uk is the leading uh, holiday park for I'm just I'm trying to get the voiceover for it. The leading holiday park for families and inter- fun entertainment. Do you do, do, you do voiceovers? I don't know, not really. You'd be quite good. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. I I I did a couple. I got asked to do a voiceover once for a certain mayonnaise company. Okay. No. Uh, um. I I I but actually. I think I was just asked to do a tryout for it. I don't right. think I was actually asked to do it. Right. And it was like. Smellman's creamy mayonnaise, <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, we'll call "No, you. <laughs> it's not right." That's so good. So your your auntie and uncle were the were in a, a, a duo. What sort yeah. of music were they making? Um, they were making. Well, I guess now I realise that man, he was really into Fleetwood Mac because <laughs> it was like that was the vibe, and she kind of sounded a bit like Christy McVie. Mm. Wow, and right, they okay. did all these covers, and she actually has an amazing voice even still. Um, but my initial uh, motivation for going to Butlins with them, which I used to do with my my cousin. Birds. No, I was like twelve or some shit. Aye, I wasn't birds. thinking about birds at twelve. Going what? On. Relax. Uh, the uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> was to play the arcades because they had the Simpsons uh, arcade machine. The four player. My, the four player. Yeah, I know. I, I know the game. game. I know the exact game. That was the one where you could play as Bart Simpson and mm-hmm. you'd have a skateboard and you had to hit, hit everybody with yeah. the That's spinning the skateboard. It was kind of like a, the X Men four player game. Yep. And like Streets of Rage and all those, wasn't it? it was yeah. like a Kind of scrolling beat 'em up. I was mad for that game. Yeah. But in doing that, I kind of eventually was like, it's pretty cool Birds. what they're doing up there as well. Yeah, it's not, <laughs> it's not, not too bad. Yeah, I might, I might uh, get into that. And I, they, they loaned me a, a guitar. Uh-huh. And actually, my auntie gave me a Korg M1, which nice. at the time meant nothing to me. I was oh, just like, it's a keyboard. That's cool. But that, that eventually became like, I realised that that was kind of an iconic synth from the 80s. Yeah. And totally. uh, that was me. I was obsessed. So what, what about yourself? Um, well, I suppose I grew up. Uh, my family were like pretty heavily involved with the church, so there was always like singing and playing yeah. in church, and so. Um, but I think it was the moment where my uncle gave me a Led Zeppelin record. Oh, that's formative! And, You're being a t- you know, how old were you at that stage? Oh, I must have been eleven or something, eleven or twelve again. Yeah. Um, but you know, all the kind of mythology is what drew me in at first. All the kind of Alistair Crowley stuff and Jimmy Page and the cult. Because <laughs> I was a good Christian boy, I wasn't allowed to listen to any of that stuff. Or you know, and Led Zeppelin. You- 
because they've got songs like you know Ramble On, which is where the Shire people dwell. They, they like, talk yeah, about yeah, the ring. So kind of the, like the, um, Gollum, I think, is name checked in Ramble On, isn't it? Wait. Yeah, yeah. What's that? That uh, so Led Zeppelin video song remains the same, the same. Where yeah. they're all dressed up like a Knights Templar and that. Yeah, they do. They have these little <laughs> fantasy sequences. Robert Plant's he's kind of a knight rescuing a damsel in distress. <laughs> Manager Peter Grant's like a kind of gangster, yeah. um, like shooting up werewolves and multicolored blood spews out right. of their head and stuff yeah, like that. I'm not sure that one's for me. Uh, but, yeah, but, but that was yeah. But roundabout, and I kind of taught myself to play guitar uh, just listening to Zepp- Zeppelin records. And what, what did your family think? Like listening to music that. Um I didn't glorify the occult, but Jimmy Page was definitely into oh, Alistair Crowley. My dad thought it was uh, it was rebelliousness, but it wasn't. It was just fascination. It was just like, yeah. you know, because being brought up with like with the Bible and Jesus and all uh-huh. that cool stuff, I just wanted to know a bit about the other side, and yeah. it kind of drew me in a little yeah, bit I, more. I grew up in a very Catholic uh, family, mm. where both both my grannies um, were like, you know, go to mass like every single day mm. like they wanted I think one of my grannies wanted to make or like he sort of groom me to be a priest um, mm. you know when I was older don't and use I, the word groom around it, uh, yeah well uh, like, I think that <laughs> I use it I mean that in the more innocent yes, t- in, innocent uh, way yeah. <laughs> I also grew um, up in a heavily Catholic family by the way just for yeah. disclosure so like when when I'd watch Neighbours at like half five wait for my mum to come <laughs> by it's like you've turned that off that's immoral Really? Yeah, yeah. Whoa. Like you wouldn't even get as far as the Simpsons. There was a fair bit of shagging in neighbours, to be fair. There was like for, for a half five, wasn't it? <laughs> I know. Do you know what I mean? Spicy, right? <laughs> nah, shagging. Yeah. I love that was, word. Was, <laughs> there, was there stuff that you weren't allowed to watch or? Oh yeah. Was it that like hardcore? I wasn't allowed to watch um, Carry On stuff or Benny Hill. You know, growing up and. <laughs> oh come on! I know, I know. And I used to like stay up um, after they thought I'd gone to bed and watch Spitting Image. You remember that the puppet show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, on a Sunday night and. Yeah. Um, so tell me, tell me about the first bands that you've played in oh. um, before before churches, like because I know you've been in bands before churches. You mean like the very first bands? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The definitely. school bands and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I love I love hearing about the the school bands because you've almost always got a ridiculously bad name. Yeah. Oh yeah, I've got a great one. Bad. Like when you're in a, a school a really band. really bad name. Uh, my first band, my school band, was called Dead Cat Lettuce. Oh my god, that is that's that's. Pretty bad. Was there a reason behind it? Or was it worse, but it's quite bad. It's quite bad, isn't oh. it? I drew a wee logo with like a wee cat's head with X's in its eyes. <laughs> <laughs> we played like covers. We did like a heavy metal cover of uh, Hanging Tough by New Kids. Skill <laughs> disco. My band was called The Hot Rocks. When we were like, it's quite good. It's not bad, man. From like uh, smoking weed. Yeah, and smoking ash. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Um, yeah, we were only we were only fifteen. No, we named it after like the, the one of the boys' dads had like Rolling Stones, and I think they had a Hot Rocks they did, album. Right. And they, they they decided right, let's call our band the Hot Rocks. That's a good name. It's good. That's a, yeah. That's a, you should not be ashamed of that. What at about all. yours? Um, the it was the same band that formed at school began as Room Thirty Two. Okay. Uh, because. We rehearsed, rehearsed in that classroom, mm. how original, and uh, <laughs> changed it to Julia 13, and then I stuck with that band until I was like 21, maybe? Uh, Julia nine, 13, that's, a, that's all right. It's good. It's, it's it's kind, it sounds kind of sci-fi. Yeah, yeah we're kind of like, we just, just wanted to be Radiohead so much. That's, and actually then, yeah. how, that's when we first started working together. Yeah, that's the first time I ever met him, and uh, that we, are, we, we made some bad decisions. I mean, really... We had we we really thought that we had uh, like all this. We thought we were the biggest band in the world. We were we were doing that whole. If you believe you're the biggest band in the world, then you're yeah. just gonna like become it. 
and uh, yeah, we, we did that. We did that too. Right? It didn't work. For it didn't us, work. Uh, we ended up sacking Scotland's most powerful management company. What? Uh, because <laughs> because uh, we were like we'd written this demo. We were like eighteen, nineteen. Yeah, and they were saying develop, 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 and we we're like. We're already developed. Right? Yeah. Me and the guy, Johnny, that were writing the songs were like, fuck this shit, man. We're gonna go in, we'll play them this uh, <laughs> we'll play them these songs and if and if they don't say, That's it, you're ready, we're gonna get you a record deal right now, we'll fucking sack them on the spot and <laughs> And you did. And we did and we did. <laughs> it was the stupidest thing oh. that I've ever done. I like in my that life. though, it's confidence and swagger, you know. That's yeah, I like it. And it's not the, the it's tunes impo- were good, by the way. Yeah. Uh, let me just say that they, there were some really good tunes. So you had the, the stuff to back it up. Well, that, uh, what did, what did they say when you sacked them? Because I don't think they, they expected an eighteen year old, nineteen year olds to come into a big company and just go, get your coat, you're <laughs> gone. They were, they were. This is my office. I think they realised <laughs> that we were in that moment just how unready we were to be a band yeah Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) they were like oh we thought these guys might need a couple of years oh this might never actually happen they're absolutely tuned to the moon (laughs) (laughs) what happened after did you get more management or did you just Uh, like slowly disintegrate i had a local guy managing us and and we just gave it it was one of those things where you know you end up feel like you're pushing a rock up a hill and i still will always love those guys in fact johnny scott who plays drums in churches now Uh was in the band so i guess that's a little part of the story that still remains but those um they were my best friends in school so it 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 just kind of came to its natural conclusion and i was poached by him just out of uni to engineer on an aerogram record as this rookie, and I thought, oh my god, it's because I'm literally so talented that this guy <laughs> wants to just pull me out of uni and like get me working on the yeah. record. And I now realise that it's probably because I was like really a lot cheaper than any other engineer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were trying to get an album done. You know the real no. answer. <laughs> No, wait. He did we, did that we was that was looking sc- into the sky, by the way. Yeah. No, it was because when we were doing, we were working on stuff with Julia Thirteen, and and I was just just really taken by how well we collaborated on arrangements and stuff in the studio. And I was like, I need this guy to make this record. I was very high at the time. <laughs> <laughs> and then the the love the love affair um, between you two began there. Then that it was did, it. yeah, huh? yeah. It did. So like you 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 make that record, and then and then what? Like it's. It's starting to like write music together. So you played, you played in the no. Twilight. Actually, we didn't end up writing music together until um, just at the, the beginning of this, at the beginning of Churches, two thousand eleven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'd we'd worked in bands before, but it was other people's songs. Um, you know, like with Aerogram and, and stuff. It was uh, Craig was the main Craig B was the main songwriter, and we were kind of producing and arranging and doing keyboards and guitars and stuff. But um, it wasn't like sitting down and collaborating and stuff yeah. but when we finally got round to doing that like Martin was out on the road with another band for quite some time and we could never really align our diaries to kind of get in the studio and do it but um, we finally did in 2011 and it's kind of like lightning striking not to overplay it you know yeah. Yeah. you were you were out with the Twilight Sad that's right at that point I was I was playing with them uh, <laughs> I need to watch what I say actually about that now because uh, they got upset with me apparently because I said uh that I felt rejected when I tried to join the band and they wouldn't uh, let me. But so, yeah, I don't mean to offend them, but uh, <laughs> it was really a lot of fun. Yeah. I considered them really like my brothers for a long time, and uh, the uh, it was hard at times. Of course, it was because it was a level of touring that can really, really take its toll on you emotionally and physically. But I feel like everything I learned about 
real touring, like hardcore touring, I learned from from being in that band, and I'll always love them. That should surely made it easier when you started uh, on the touring for uh, churches. Well, yeah, it did. It really did. Although I was, I wasn't to understand that there was a whole other like level above that again. It was just like all sorts of different stresses and yeah. things that you cannot possibly prepare for. Where's my bagel? And, uh, well, uh, I'll <laughs> never, I'll never be that guy, but I'll well I'll be the guy like hanging by a thread in the first six months of the band because your entire world has shifted on its axis overnight, and and just like a hundred yards down the road is everything you've ever wanted. Yeah. And it's like how you've rounded the keeper. What, how do I shot? not balloon this? Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? And that was the anxiety and stress of that at the beginning mm. of this band. Really, I struggled with that. Yeah, really. I was going to say, like, were you were you ready for everything to take off as fast as nobody it did? can ever really be ready for that though? Like Martin says, it really turns you up, upside down on your head. And if there's any kind of weakness or or chink in the armor, you can guarantee that will bring it out. You know. So that that whole first kind of couple of years was just like a learning curve, wasn't it? It was just like it feels us, like you, you like did all work together you, and tour together. You did a lot of that learning before you got there, really, because mm. like you all played in different bands, and and Lauren played in different bands as well. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you put the first track up on online, I think it went up on Neon Gold's Neon blog. Gold. Good memory. Um and. Yeah, it just it just completely blew up from there. I think the mother that we share was the the first track that I heard. I had a I had it sent to me by my friend Ali McRae. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Like a great very, guy. Good old Ali. Yeah, very very early on, and he was like, "I'm not going to do an impression because I, not only will I offend you <laughs> and Ali, but also the country of Scotland." Um, <laughs> but he was really excited, and only the way that <laughs> Ali can be. And he was like, "You need to listen to this. This is so good." And it was Mother We Share, and I think I I still stick it on from time to time, which is the, the definitely the the uh, sign of a really good song oh, that's cool Thanks, Ali was on our band so quickly mm. he actually put on he used to have this night detour Scotland that's right and he put on it must have been in maybe the second or the third show something like that really Electric really circus. early yeah uh and that was there's still footage of that floating around somewhere uh, and and yeah you, you you had the songs and everything to back it up it wasn't like you were uh, a hype band that has to go away and struggle to to go and record all the rest. So at least it didn't seem like that on the surface. Well, people kept I saying that though. Every single interview, it was like the words "hype" and "buzz" were used. All but the but time. Yeah. Not, you start to believe after a while. Well, the thing about it, not was, many people can with, withstand I know. that hype. Normally, that hype comes and goes, and then that's it. What mm. I think we had, and I don't mean to sound like we were totally in control because I don't I don't believe that we were. But what we did have was a really clear idea that we wanted to have basically a record in the can before anyone heard a note and we had been working together for months and months yeah. and months and months because I was obsessed with blog culture at the time obsessed with the hype machine everything I found I found from like it was the glory days of SoundCloud mm-hmm. and I just saw it again and again and again one band put writes a song puts it out mm. massive overnight nothing happens yeah and I've seen it so many times mm. that I was like, we cannot make this mistake. This is everybody's fallen at the first hurdle here, and and we basically wrote Bones. We had eight or nine songs that eventually became were on Bones of What You Believe before we put Lies out, which was the first song. Yeah. Speculating that hey, maybe this goes somewhere, and if it does, we're going to be ready for this part mm-hmm. of it. By the time we came to sign all the record deals, it was like 
there's an album. Mm-hmm. But I don't I don't think it really makes sense and I don't understand why why artists do it. Like bands and artists and people who make music in general are just itchy to get it out. Well most of the, most people are anyway, are just itchy to get it out. Like, you know, they'll record it on a, a Thursday and then they'll want it released on the Friday. <laughs> for a drink, can't you? <laughs> <laughs> That's what getting signed on Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> Chilled on Sunday. <laughs> yeah. They just, just want want it out straight away. <laughs> So the first time you got on stage and and played as about because you went and played a couple of shows without the name churches bef- Shark Week before yeah. yeah Shark Week. Well, this was another part of the plan. We <laughs> were called Shark Week guy because that's a good name. Isn't it? Pretty good. Uh, the uh, well, there we had, there was obvious uh, barriers towards be called well, being copyright called barriers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the we I guess there's another part of our preparation for coming into the world was mm. that we wanted to get a couple of gigs done in a under a fake name because suddenly there was this attention on the band yeah that mm. we that was unexpected uh-huh. but also there we knew that people would be at the first show and as it turns out the first church's show was it was crazy it was sold out uh, half of London had come up there was people trying to sign us on the day because they saw everybody else on the plane but we wanted to be sure that we weren't for the first time we ever got on a stage was like mm. this was yeah. this kind of scrum uh-huh. uh and so we did it. We turned up with this guy, lovely guy in Scotland. You probably know him, Dave McGeekin, who, who has been our promoters rep from day one. I've known him for years and years. He's at DF Concerts. Yeah. And he, uh, we asked him for a bit of a baptism of fire, like put us on the, the crazy, <laughs> like the worst bill you could imagine our band being on <laughs> somewhere in Dunfermline. Yeah. And then put us on a gig that that will be really, really quiet. And that's and that's what we did. So we the did. word got out though, didn't it? Eventually, I and then it got a wee bit. It was kind of kind of added to the hype or whatever. So maybe we kind of knew what we were doing. I don't know. Um, but the we did get a chance to play a couple of gigs before suddenly there was all this attention yeah. on us, and I'm glad because we were ch- kind of shit. <laughs> let's be honest let's yeah. have it right yeah. well, see yeah. we're, we're, getting, we're getting better now but we wish it <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> by the fifth album we'll just be like completely, <laughs> yeah, completely yeah. where we need to be like, we're, we're ready what, we're ready what like, were the conversations everybody's left so. uh, okay, cool. <laughs> what were the conversations like that you were having with um, people in the music industry around those times because I always think that like, oh god you must have had, a book about it. had a lot of meetings it was wild it was awful it I was didn't pay disgusting. for a dinner for about two months it, that yeah. was the, kind of the best bit about it there's one particularly memorable one where um, a couple of guys came up from London I can't even remember what label they were with that's probably for the best probably for the best yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> but um but yeah the, don't shoot your side they, project they right? the, this guy they dragged us like all the way across glasgow to somewhere we like we didn't really want to be in order so that he could score some coke in the back of the pub you know that's the kind of that's the kind of stuff you know it's just like come on it's like it's, it's so, like kill so your crap. friends isn't it yeah it is but i thought that's kind of Passed. I didn't I think that, that you had passed. You know? I didn't think that that sort of like behavior still kind of like happens. I thought it was a very sort of like nineties thing, and then that was it. I mean, I guess it's still, it was still there on some level when we started. But the interesting thing, I guess, in the end, is that the first guy that made a serious offer on the band was Nick Burgess. Yeah, and we went round all the houses, met everybody, and then eventually signed with Nick Burgess anyway because he was still that guy before anyone else saying I, I believe in this band and he's been an A&R over those three records and re- 
we we ended up becoming really close, and he's he's a he's a great guy, and I and I and I trust him. And that's it's un, unusual that you should be able to say that about a label. But yeah, yeah. again, we and in the US we signed with Daniel Glass, who, who was a really similar experience. He flew his entire family to um, to London on Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving yeah. and was like. When that you sounds like emotional blackmail. Right? Well, he, he turns up at this <laughs> you show. You cannot sign us, my my right? children. He did. It was genius because he turns up at this show and he says, "When you sign with me, this is what you get. This isn't family. This mm-hmm. is yeah. like, this is it's real. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And get and I'm the president of the label, and uh, I I'm unfireable. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I was like, you know what? Let's go. Mm. And we've had a great working relationship with Glassnote. I, I was going to mm. say that's uh, pretty hard to turn down because mm. I think with um, people in. And this is what I say, kind of say to bands as well, because there's certain bands that sign to majors, and I don't think they should, because mm-hmm. um, you need to have that person in their fight in your corner. It's like you sign to this company, right? But there's such a high turnaround in that industry that by the time that you get to the first album, that person mm-hmm. that brought you in might be gone, and then the next it's person true. might not give a shit. Yeah, it's true. And it's, it's a really common story. Okay, right, a little break in the conversation for a second. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast so far. If you're arsed and you want to, and I'm sure you've been asked a million times before, but if this is the one time you do it, please do it. Uh, Give the podcast a little rating and a review on whatever platform it is you're listening to it, preferably uh, Apple Podcasts. Um, I'd love you for life. Thank you so much. Um, also, if you want to follow me and suggest some guests or ask any questions or get into contact at all, then you can get me at Philly Taggart on Instagram and Twitter. I'm currently booking guests for season two. I've got about like eight or nine already. And honestly, some of the names that we've got in there for season two is ridiculous. Also, I really want to talk about the Slacker Live Tour. Outside of the podcast and the Slacker book and all the rest of it. God, I'm putting Slacker to everything. There'll be Slacker pregnancy tests soon enough. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Slacker Night was born out of playing live and getting bands to play live and throwing massive parties. So I'm throwing a couple of massive parties in February on the 20th, 21st and 22nd in Reading, Southampton 
and Margate. So I'm going to come and DJ, but the most important bit of this is I've got the sickest band that are coming with me on that tour as well. They are called The Magic Gang, and they're going to be playing live in Reading, Southampton, Margate on the 20th, 21st and 22nd of February, and I will link to tickets in the description below. Okay, so we're getting back into part two of the podcast with churches where we talk about everything from video games to synth addictions to break in America to the third album to political consciousness and to online abuse. We will get into it all in the second part. And here it is. What was the big track that you guys wrote when you were um, getting the first record together that you were like, oh, boom, this is the one? I think it was Lies. Mm. I don't that was the first single, wasn't it? Yeah, I think, and I don't, and people still bring this up. But I, I definitely didn't know that we had something like the mother we share on our hands, even after we wrote it. Uh-huh. The night before the mother we share was on was released online with James Passmore. Mm. We were rearranging the song, like really? double time, change, chopping verses, moving it around. I swear, we got like wholesale changes. <laughs> we knew there was something like, in there, but before didn't the feel day like we had to submit it. Does that mean that you're happy with the version that went out? Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's like, and you can—I've said this before—but you can only ever have one like breakthrough moment. Uh-huh. So I'll always love that song. I'll never be the guy like that's in any way sick of that song because mm. it's kind of the was the linchpin and and totally what's become a three album career. You know, I guess that like you're 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 not that sort of. Um, Lee Mavers style character that has to work on an album and al- like over and over and over again and then like you know can't figure out which way to mix it and stuff yeah. if you've reached three albums by the stage I think that you, you probably haven't yeah. got I that think, in you have you? George think, Lucas of Synthpop yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think the nature of, of the way that we work together um, makes sure that none of that happens you know I think that, that maybe one or the other of us has got tendencies towards like you know, going back and want to fix stuff and, like, mm-hmm. you know, working on stuff. And, yeah. uh, we have complimentary personalities exactly. in that exactly. respect. It's like, okay, this is done already. Let's get it. <laughs> yeah. so, uh, I think that Ian is really, really, his attention to detail is like no one else I've ever known. And, and I just need constant immediacy. Yeah. And I think that we kind of meet in the middle. And that's how you know when something's finished, and it gets like things to a kind of good state of a. Uh, no, but I think there's a, there's always a point completion. towards the end of that process where the roles flip. I think that right before it's done, you're like Mister Magnifying Glass, really, really getting into the fine details of the mix and the arrangement, and I'm just like, this is done, it's done, let's get it. Out. Do you know what I mean? It's a weird dynamic, <laughs> yeah, but it actually, works. That's probably true. It works. Who put the V in churches? Uh, Jesus. <laughs> no, uh, uh, well, I, I don't know. I think that uh, do you know that's another thing that we did. That's another thing that we did. Then, like, literally right before, before Mother went online, yeah, we changed it, the U the V. We had like a summit, and we were like, we gotta do something about this U. Like, no one can find this. On there, Nobody's right? gonna be able to do it. Like church you, band. See, I what I said a, was true. <laughs> I used to pl- play a band called the, the 1930s when um, <laughs> the 1930s. And, and, go- and I'd Google Google them, like you know, find out some information or tour dates or something. This back when I was starting in yeah. Northern Ireland, mm-hmm. and you just like it would just bring up pictures of like kids with a hoop and a stick. Really <laughs> <nice>. <laughs> You're like, right, yeah. okay. Yeah. So, you you, you <laughs> yeah. need to have a Google Googleable band mm-hmm. name, don't you? It's true. And it was a that was. Do people call you Chiverches? Oh, yeah. Every all, day. All the time. I'm cool with it. Like, we kind of call ourselves Chiverches. As well. well. <laughs> uh, so then, like, the, the, the debut album, um, like, you know, you've, you've got it written, you've signed it all up, and it, it comes out, and then 
you hit the road. Hmm. What, what, what was it like? What was, what was the dynamic like with the three of you t- touring? Because like you've all done your touring in in the past together, but I'd imagine like you would have a very different dynamic with you three than maybe the previous acts that you were in. Yeah, I mean, I guess this was the first time that there was I'd ever been in a band where the power dynamic was so finely balanced. Yeah, it was like a proper. Is there normally like one, a two, three on the same level? And I'd only ever experienced like roles where mm. that was kind of there's different. a leader and then there's uh, some yeah. subservience. Yeah. Yeah. In some ways, that's easier, isn't it? Oh, it's much easier. It's a lot, a lot easier to make decisions. They're not always good decisions, but mm-hmm. their their decisions get made. Does mm-hmm. that mean you guys butt heads on on decisions from from time to time, where you've got well, like three people, three, people who've got three but, different yeah. visions? But I think it, it's 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 a it's a fine balance, like Doc says, and I think it needs mm. like constant care and management. You know, I think when things get neglected. They tend to kind of fall apart quite quickly. Mm. Yeah, but I think that um, you know we're all pretty good at communicating now, and I think that that's uh, it sounds like a cliche, but it's absolutely essential. It's not hard to communicate when you're all. Are you all in the same city? We uh, like yeah, where, whereabouts are you? Is it around the world? I know uh, Lawrence in New York, isn't she? We've all been living in New York. Yeah, since, we've all been uh, in New York yeah. since yeah. the start of last year. Yeah, you think this is nonsense, but it's true. I literally live ninety-six paces from Lawrence's <laughs> front door. <laughs> It's like, uh, what could be more Glasgow than that? Like you've yeah, got exactly. all of New York to pick, and you're yeah. like, I'll just move I can my live mate Brooklyn, lives. I could uh, live in Harlem, right. I could go live up wherever. Yeah. And uh, Ian was there as well up until very recently, but mm. I guess we don't live anywhere now. That's the once you flip into this mode, once you flip into the tour mode, that you, that's it. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you like let the leases in your apartments go and just go right? <sighs> well, I have. Yeah, it's like it's there's it, not much point, is there? So so fucking expensive. Yeah, it's basically like having the most expensive storage unit in the world. Mm. <laughs> Please stop talking. I'm sweating right now. I'm like thinking about. I'm like, yeah, no, I've got a, a lease on till like September. I'm stress no, me out. Fine. Yeah, fine. but <laughs> it's a great place to have as a base, though. Between yeah. things, you know. Will you yeah. will you go back there after you're finished on tour, or you go back to Do Scotland? This is this is going to sound like the again the most cliche guy ever. But I'm you put out too sure I'm going to go to LA. Mm. Yeah. 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 Why? Why not? Exactly, and what, like, what, what takes you there? I think I start to do a fair bit of writing as well, and I'm finding a little bit of success. Ian and I actually did this thing with with a girl, Sasha Sloan, who's immensely talented. Oh yeah, talented. I've heard her. She's really good. Yeah, so I got a couple of cuts with her, and Ian got a cut with her as well. And and it's a, uh, I just think there's so much opportunity out there. Does that does that mean that when when everything calms down, or even on the road, do you guys write for other people? Mm. Not yet. We haven't done any of that mm. while we've been touring. I, I tend to do it in the downtime. Yeah. Because I just need to be constantly stimulated in that way. Because I, if I have two weeks off, I just don't know what to do with myself mm. and I end up in the pub. Mm. Uh, not like I, I'm like, have a problem mm. with it or anything. I just yeah. really need feel the need to be creatively engaged and, and doing on something. something. And if you're not, then you're you're in the pub. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's just, that's, a, that's the road to like depression and self-loathing. Oh, that's yeah, that, yeah. That change of pace is crushing, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the same way, like if you're used to being like in one place and then all of a sudden you're everywhere, that change of pace is hard too. Uh-huh. But I almost think it's harder when you've suddenly got nothing and nowhere to be. Yeah. And you're just like, oh my God, what is my but, life? But when you've built in so much routine and mm-hmm. so much structure, so, someone turns it off like turning off mm-hmm. a light. <laughs> you're like, and what you're time like, do I go to sleep at? What the hell am I supposed to do? 
Uh-huh. And it's a really odd feeling where you need. <laughs> it must like, be like coming out of the army or something. It's so bizarre. I, yeah, I imagine so. Uh, and and you know, it's really easy to find your way into a pub when that scenario because you're like, oh, well, I've got nothing else to do. Mm. Yeah, may as well. Yeah, uh, but it does it's more like video games though. Yeah, this is. Man, I love computer games. Computer games and um and football is like yeah. my switch off. Like I. I don't know about you, but like I get, I'm not very good under stress. Like I'm just, a, mm. I get stressed and I, I end up being a bit of a dick. And I'm just like, right. Mm. I know I, that feeling. I, I'll tell you. I need. <laughs> yeah, like you know when you're up there and you're, you're like, you're, it's basically like somebody who's pouring you a coffee and then all, all the hot, it doesn't stop and all the hot water flows ah. out over under your hand. That's a really good that's, way to describe it. That's yeah. basically stress for me. Yeah. Um. So I just play shit loads of fifa yes me too <laughs> me too i'm PS4? obsessed with it ps4 right oh, I mean, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna get your gamer tag <laughs> yeah. tonight yes love it that, i had to well, i had to think i had like 1200 hours in destiny by the time i fi- uh, 1200 like, hours by the time i finished playing it yeah and that's I, like a job i know because i'm exactly the same mm. uh, you switch totally your... throw myself into video games something that can just turn when we're recording yeah I don't want to listen to music mm. I don't want to talk to people I just want to look at a screen for like five hours and, and then go to sleep forget, yeah, you yeah. should get into an MMO I think that's what you should do I think that's a terrible what's, what's idea that? an MMO yeah like a massively multiplayer online you know like World oh, of yeah, Warcraft yeah, or Final Fantasy like 14 Fortnite's a big one at the minute isn't it yeah that's a more of a kind of shooter though, I'm yeah. right into Fortnite I tell yeah. you oh yeah like what, what oh yeah okay so role playing and stuff role like playing. that yeah, yeah. Do, do you, like, are you into those yeah I really like uh, Final Fantasy 14 like a when the is that what number we're up to now? Uh, no. We're, we're in 15 15 now it's like Jaws 12 yeah Jaws 12 yeah uh, but yeah, you can just lose yourself in those games, and it's you know, I don't know if it's good for your head. Well, I like, I'd almost take the other side on that because I, I, you know, I don't believe everything you read, but I, I totally understood it when I was reading this article last week that um, playing computer games for a certain length of time a week was more useful to people who suffered from anxiety and depression than actual counselling. Okay, I don't it's a know. Controversial. It does. It, fe- it feels like a clickbaity sort of mm. uh, uh, headline, but mm. like I kind of understand why. If if you are completely focusing on a computer game, you your brain, mm. the side of your brain, probably mm. just like you know fizzes about all the time and is worried. And it's like going, mm. oh, I've got to pay for that. Oh is god, that like, well, yeah, exactly. I'm a hypochondriac. Oh god, what the fuck's going on? Mm. And yeah. then you're just focused in on this one thing and it completely levels it mm. out. You know, well, I certainly explored that uh, course of action thoroughly. i say it definitely works. I don't know if it takes any of the problems away, yeah. but well, you certainly ca- can forget about them, you know. The counselling mm. or the, the computer games? The computer games? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we, we were talking about synths earlier on, like that sort of synth addiction that I imagine you have. <laughs> like, I'm not sure if you do have it, but, like... Is are there synths all over your studio? Broken synths, fixed synths, new synths? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's what I'd <laughs> imagine. Walls, yeah, it was the home base in Glasgow has it's like just racks mm. of all synthesizers. I think we got really inspired by a picture we saw of M eighty three. Remember that years and years ago, and there, he had a similar setup, yeah. and I was like, I want that. I want that? He yeah, had like man. a Roland Jupiter eight and all these synths that that I've been using when I was coming through on the computer uh-huh. and that was kind mm-hmm. of in our minds it was like I want st- to I don't want to use software synthesizers, synthesizers I want to get the real thing 
And that was like a kind of amazing graduation once we could afford the the sense that we'd been using on a yeah. screen for album for two budget life. was basically because we made it ourselves. Yeah, all on sense. But like yeah. when, when you when you get that budget and you spend it all on sense, you get to keep that as well. So like that's yeah. almost like yeah, because I, I, you hear about pe- bands building their own studios and stuff, and you're like, that's the smartest thing you can kind of mm-hmm. do, isn't it? Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. But um, what's which one's your favorite? Synth. This is what this is for the synth nerds that are listening. Favorite synth of all time <coughs> is the um, the one that I currently play on stage, which is the Mini Moog Model D, which is a, a reissue of the of the kind of classic version of the Mini Moog from the seventies. It's just perfect in every single way. It's, it sounds like nothing else, eh? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it's unbelievable. But the mine's is the Jupiter Eight for sure. For the reasons that I was just describing, I yeah. wanted a synth so much. Like I was obsessed with it. And uh, it was really, really expensive, but it was kind of like a rite of passage mm. to buy it. Yeah, yeah. I used it oh, so it much, grand? something like that. I used it so <laughs> much on the second album. Every, Every single song. For that price I know. know. That Ian like literally banned it. We never even flew it to New York. That's how <laughs> much it was hardcore barred from this. Yeah, album. it's the sound of album too. <laughs> I know, I know. You're like, Every guys, song. right? We need to switch this up for the new. The yeah, new yeah, yeah. And because I just found it. To just be so, everything that I wanted, I was like, "It's there, quicker, quicker." Okay, let's go. Um, <laughs> so we're, we're working on the third album. It's the first time you've started working with other producers mm-hmm. on it. Mm-hmm. Why, why come? Do you, have you do you not trust yourselves that much? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, it's quite the opposite. <laughs> yeah, the uh, uh, we were kind of that conversation has started at the beginning of the, the the album three sessions between us. That it might be interesting to open it up to collaborators. And that we should maybe engage in some of that as a, an experiment. Mm-hmm. And uh, we could easily have gone through 10 and just and it hadn't worked and, and we would have moved on. But m- midway through that exploration, we, we took a session with Greg and kind of... Who's Greg? Greg Kirsten. Yeah. And he just felt so right and so energizing and everything that we did felt like it, that, that we were we were excited to be in the studio and there was this real atmosphere about the place and he had a way about him that just complemented everything we do he didn't try and be a producer he didn't try and come in and be like look guys this is where you've been going wrong because he knew that would never work with us yeah we we didn't think we what it was going wrong i still don't we we were just experimenting with the idea of there was someone could come in and enhance the the dynamic that we already had going so he's kind of like enabling more than anything else and just like taking it to the next well not the next level but adding his sheen to it because like i think it was more he was more like um and at the and at the roots of the songs like his actual parts and Mm -hmm, and, and mm -hmm. stuff were were really inspiring us to to up our game as well you know did you have to go through a lot of people to get to him we took a few sessions before it and then we cancelled everything after it yeah really did you have like one one where you were just like this is soul destroying I don't want to ever do this yeah (sighs) there's one and I'll never forget it and I'll never go back there because I've worked with artists before and we've had to put them in with songwriters more more like acoustic-y folk people Mm -hmm. right and um yeah, like you get a phone call afterwards, going, "Why the fuck did you put me in with him?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm like, sorry, yeah. Yeah. not do it again. The, I think that we could have been there for for months and not got that guy's attention. How do you deal with um, American music industry? Because like they're very like people that work in music in America are very straightforward. <laughs> they're very like, okay, so that song's shit. 
and we're not going to be doing that. I, I, I don't, I, I don't know. I, I come from, I come from Ireland, and there has to be a bit of, a bit of patter, a bit of massaging, right? a bit of patter yeah. beforehand. You know, like how's it going? How's the, how's the wife? How's the dog? <laughs> yeah. All the rest of it. And the song shit. Yeah, it's funny. Our manager has this phrase like um, when we're working with people that or, or new people that start working with the band, he, he'll use the phrase. Um, this person doesn't speak band very well. Uh. Do you know what I mean by that? Like, there's a way that you have to address the band, okay? Even when band asks you for the truth, they Baby don't really gloves, mean I the truth. Get, the, yeah. get gloves on, and that's it. Yeah, get like, gloves. Uh, but now the Americans, you know, it's that this is really boring. But uh, we have an unbelievable relationship with that label, and they they. It's like an independent deal, but they they don't feel like an independent record mm. label. They've well, they do in the inside the office and the way they communicate, but they have, they can really give you a go, uh, out there in the way yeah, that they promote, very and they're very and and they uh, they work as hard for you as you work for them. Uh-huh. And we went out and we hammered it, hammered it, hammered it in the touring, and they saw that investment in time and and energy, and they committed on the same level. Mm. Well, you le- legit broke. In America now is uh, like more so than any other bands over here in the last while, apart from maybe the nineteen seventy five. Yeah, I mean that's. Uh, I guess it's in hindsight now I realise the gravity of what was happening at the time. Yeah, but we were we were just so incapable of looking outside of the bubble, and I think that's probably a good thing good now thing, that yeah. I, that I look back. But um, I, what I now realise is that Daniel and the rest of Glassnote saw that commitment, and they went just as hard. And and managed to push the band through, and we've ended up having enjoying really great live out there, and the album sells albums sell well there, and I, I'm really grateful for that. But nothing has changed. We're about to go there and slam it for the whole autumn, and yeah. then and you've we'll got back round again next summer, <laughs> and, that's yeah. it, and it doesn't stop. And and you've got amazing songs to go into. It's like you're almost your poppiest record yet. Miracle is 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 a huge, huge, huge tune. <laughs> Yeah, we wrote that with Steve, actually. Yeah. That's the one part of the story that sometimes gets <laughs> left out, is that we had this amazing experience with Greg, and we've written a bunch of songs ourselves, and some of those made the record, and then right at the last minute, it was the Miracle is the classic, your album's done, do you want to take this session, and we'll just see what develops. Yeah. And uh, we went to London and met Steve Mack, who happened to be just... Uh, and a really incredible guy, really real attention to detail, very very talented. I don't think I've ever met anyone with the same kind of killer instinct that he has <laughs> in the studio for melody and for a hit. Uh-huh. And and we took the session, we wrote Miracle, and then the all the right, guys, we need to put this on. And the labels start freaking out. And that's then, exactly what happened. And, yeah. that, and that's exactly how how that came about. Oh, yeah. Holy crap. It's amazing when it happens, isn't it? Yeah, like, it's, it's just cool. like, a, like lightning in a bottle, yeah, but like yeah. <laughs> almost after it's meant to have passed. Do you know, there's one thing that I regret about the Steve sessions What's is that? that we almost wrote a ballad with them. <laughs> like when we were done, like yeah. the high five will come in, we'll write a ballad because who does not want to write a ballad with a guy that wrote Flying Without Wings? <laughs> to me, that is like the peak <laughs> of balladry, right? Like, yeah. And uh, he ended up writing the ballad himself and like Celine Dion cut it. Maybe that's for the best. I don't know, man. Do you have to turn down collaborators now? Because like, I'd imagine, like, maybe even working in the states a lot, there's just, there's a lot of because you're big worldwide now. I'm sure there's a lot of people that want to work with you. Lauren's vocal is like catnip for EDM producers, mm. so there's a lot of that. There's a lot of offers in that world. 
You must be turning down big figures as well. Well, they're probably not so much now, but like when the EDM heyday of a oh, couple of years ago, you must have been story. going, right, David Gutter wants you on his track. Avicii wants you on his track. And yeah. uh, you know, just like all the big EDM producers of the day would want there was a bit of that, on the track. For, for, if I'm honest, yeah, but we, we, uh, we never even got as far as talking money or anything with those guys because we were very, very, you were just not very not sure that it. it was not on the table in any way. Uh, you know, I think we've chilled out a lot. That and and the and the years of uh, progression and 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 establishing our identity were more relaxed. Whereas in the beginning, if someone had said, "Hey, do you want to take a session with no. any producer?" I'd be like, "Fuck you! Yeah, don't, don't fuck with my heart. Don't touch me. Here's the fiber. Yeah, uh, give me, yeah. me seven fifty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was, I guess it was coming from a place of insecurity. Now that I, that I think about it, yeah. But uh, for what? wherever it was coming from I think it ended up being a real strength to the band because it looked real uh-huh. and I was like who are these this guy and this weird guy and this girl and like, like what? what is this band and as the story unraveled people could figure out that this is a really was as real as it gets and it's doing our own thing you know yeah, yeah. I, I can never I can never see um, you guys or or Lauren just bowing for something just for a check or anything like that you're all very principled in what you do yeah um, spe- it's hard sometimes, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, no, I don't, I'd imagine it was. Um, it was like about four four years ago. I was, um, I remember Lauren was writing a piece for the Guardian, and she was going on Channel Four and oh, yeah. and talking about all the sexism that was aimed at her around around that time. Like it must have been, it must have been difficult for for you guys as friends more so than bandmates to see but, to yes. see all that all that stuff going on. It's absolutely horrible when uh, when one of your best friends and very very close colleagues has to go through stuff like that for her art. You know, yeah, I mean, that's just it's just kind of unspeakable the things that she had to put up with. Um, and I don't really think it's changed that much. I mean, I think that the discussion. Do you not think so? Do you? Do you, do no, you th- I think the discussion is a lot more mainstream now, yeah. which is great, and but that's actually, definitely progress. Mm-hmm. But the behaviour of of anonymous on the internet hasn't changed at all. You know, I, I think that the if you tackle if you tackle something like that at its base with with like mm-hmm. young people, mm-hmm. then you know it's it's only going to get better after time. But, I agree but, with but, that. But, but having people, keyboard warriors, like the, yeah. they will always be there and they will always be in their in their droves as well but it, it, it's it's just a it, it's really just hard hard to deal with i suppose mm. when you're in the public eye like you guys are it mm. was tremendously difficult to watch that happening and we stood with her and we were doing everything we could behind the scenes to just make sure she felt like we were on the, her team and that she had free reign to say whatever she wanted mm-hmm. to say because at that time, speaking out about misogyny was was a r- really risky career move. Uh-huh. Funny how that's changed. But at that time, it was nobody else was talking about it, and that isn't to say that there wasn't move, the movements in the past. Uh-huh. There was mm. just that these things come in waves, and w- yeah. the, it was at a particular trough. And the anonymity of the internet had like has just created this whole subculture of really intense anger and real people feeling. Like they don't know how to manage their emotions, and that gets directed at the at, at whatever at the first thing that they see. That's whatever reason that it seems to irritate them. Mm. And uh, is that still there? Do you like? I mean, like directed at you guys the same way. I, I have to say that we, and this is this is the truth, is that very little gets directed towards Ian and I in particular. Yeah, but Lawrence still gets it every day. It's still intense. It's still a lot. Is it like mm. the sexist things? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and that's, 
I, I guess that's why Ian said initially that he doesn't feel like anything has changed because on the ground where we are, what we are seeing is is very very similar to what we saw then. If I'm honest, I have learned so much from my personal standpoint from being in this band with Lauren. Yeah, so that things that I that because I lived in my own world and I didn't behave in a particular way or uh-huh. ever even consider it or just be like it was second nature to me that, and then all these issues came to the surface that maybe I wasn't entirely aware of that are mm. now coming to the mainstream and I think the mm. average dude has gone oh fuck this was going on the whole mm. time maybe they didn't have the same kind of awareness you kind of on the flip side of that like when you come to a new record or you um, are going and doing interviews and stuff is it something that's always brought up and people always want to talk to to you about it and how do you feel about that yeah i think that is something that always comes up and uh, i guess it's uh, uh, going into a conversation like that and people understand where we're coming from understand where lauren's coming from before they even enter the room is a positive thing yeah yeah rather than it being the uh the kind of classic girl in a band conversation yeah. which i think is like it's uh, one of one of the questions that uh, annoys me the most. That yeah. is just so lazy. The whole misogyny thing the discussion, I think we we've always kind of resisted making it like too much of a focus when we talk about when we do interviews and stuff, but it's definitely um something I think it's really important to to even in a small part to raise awareness of those issues sure. and, and to, to make it more of a mainstream conversation. And I think that's something that's happening now. Yeah. And um and Lauren particularly has I think played a big part in, in bringing that you know more to yeah. the surface and that's great I, I, I totally I, no regrets I think as entertainers as well it's it's something that we've always been careful to not have define us if you know what I mean yeah so we're, mm. we're entertainers first and foremost we're musicians but we wouldn't be good people if we were ignoring it. Completely. Yeah, but you, you've, you've, I want to be an entertainer. I want to be a musician. I want to be a good person as well. You know, I need to be a mm. human being first and foremost. And we wouldn't have been able to go on without addressing that, especially knowing how much pain Lauren was in. Uh huh. And that, I guess that's uh, and that's where it all fell. And even it seemed like a risk at the time, and it was. Mm. But I'm, I couldn't be if happier it, that we took it. The thing it, is, you know? if it was a risk worth doing, even if it didn't go the right way, you'd still be able to be stand uh, by it. Yeah, you, you, you can totally. stand by it. Yeah, as yeah. long as you can sleep at night, you know what I mean. Exactly. Like, well, I mean, if it all went away on those terms, I'd have been fine with it. Yeah, totally. like on if that's literally how this has to be, then I wouldn't have been able to go on as a human, a human 100%. being in a band, you, knowing that we had put somebody through yeah. that kind of. Uh, you have a like, political conscious in in general, and that's what I really sort of admire about about you. Because I think there's a lot more people should be doing a lot more in in, in music than there actually is. There's yeah, a, there's a lot of mutton dresses lamb out there of people <laughs> people who are saying that they're political <laughs> and they'll stand up for it, and then they do fuck all. Yeah. Yeah. Like I I quite like when uh, a band has got something to say. Like you know, you live in America now. <laughs> like you're living in uh, America at, at the like where there's a a guy who used to be on The Apprentice as the president, right. <laughs> who is like a known. You got Theresa May over here. Yeah, like it is a really intense time to be living out there. And to be honest, New York and LA is not really representative of just where that nation is at politically. Mm. Yeah, uh, but at the same time, if you turn on a television, if you look at a newspaper, if you see any kind of media, it would blow your 
fucking mind the way that this is reported I st- on the ground out there. I stick fucks on when when I go oh when, I, when I go out God. there for lulls for for laughs. It is outrageous. Like, <laughs> it's just incredible. <laughs> the thing about living in America at, at the moment is it kind of feels like you've got ringside seats. I try not to throw stones at American politics when uh, I still feel so Scottish and so British, and yeah, I can yeah. see what's happening here. Like I'm not. I haven't moved there in a the long time. I'm coming back to this country. Yeah. This country I love. But it's just this political situation here is not good. No, it's like, not, do you know what I mean? Not the best, is it? Like, no. throw stones at both, and it's fine. Okay, <laughs> oh yeah, I, I saw a cover you guys did of Toto. Uh, oh, well, yeah. not a cover, but like a cover. It was not a cover. Fanny about in the you studio. did, did a funny about video in the studio. <laughs> uh, we're working on Terminator right now as well. <laughs> Me and Ian and Johnny like to play that after recover. Soundcheck fun. Uh, and then we've got uh, the Axel Foley theme. Oh yeah, from Beverly Hills. Beverly Cop. Hills Cop. There's loads of them coming, man. We've got like four <laughs> bars of each down. <laughs> well, that's great. Like <laughs> right? I also saw a little, a little, um, well, a young, a young girl do a version of uh, "Bury It" on your on your Twitter as well. Uh. There seems to be a lot of like um, young fans doing oh, cover versions. We that saw just a and it just melts my heart. Mate, it just oh man, I'm reduced to just oh. it's it's so nice seeing that stuff, mm. watching it connect. Maybe I'm just like feeling old I don't have any kids of that so maybe I'm like oh my god pretty <sighs> you know what that's, no, not, that's not. bullshit I know I'm not. you're not <laughs> I winding you up I know, I know. It's, like, it's just not true but it's very very cute when you see that it's cool actually it was a young band it was a band of that's kids that's right that's yeah. right the they were family. really rocking out so I think they get, the dad was on X or something like that yeah. as well it was like it's some interesting distorted bass it was it was like a talent well. show or something yeah, yeah, yeah it was that, really that, cool that looked amazing um so yeah, like one final question, mm-hmm. but b- before we um, before we split, so if you were if you were doing it all again, or you had uh, a, a young cousin or something that was starting in music, and you had to give them one piece of advice, uh, being st- accountant, starting out a band, what what would it be? Listen more, listen to more music. No matter how broad do you think your musical vocabulary is, just keep listening, because you're going to end up if you become if you get through and you get a game, you're the sum of your musical taste and your personality is what you're eventually going to output if you're making music that's real and true to you. Mm. So no matter how much you think you've listened enough, listen more. Mm. Yeah, I would also say um, if you're if you're really serious about it, find somebody who can be as objective as possible and as honest as possible, um, whether it's your pal or a family member, just mm. like tell you exactly... How good or bad yeah. what you're doing is because it's important. You know, I think people well, often find people to support their kind of self delusion and they just well, end up wasting their time. I actually think it's even more important to train that in yourself. Yeah, like, but that's really hard. That's really difficult. But if you can get there and yeah. you can have that unfiltered, you're just going to be. It's the best tool you could ever have. Mm, that's true, man. Sage advice, guys. Thank you very much. Thank Thanks, you, sir. sir. Thanks very much for listening to this week's podcast with Churches. If you enjoyed it, then feel free to wheel back into the 10 previous podcasts that are all up there. Last week's podcast with Hosier is probably one of my favourites. And of course, my Slacker Club night is coming to Reading Market in Southampton in February. And I've got the Magic Gang playing live on that tour, which is going to be the biggest party I've ever seen. Uh, You can get the tickets in the link below. Next week on the podcast, we have got... The three family relatives, uh, three family relatives, <laughs> to two brothers and a cousin. That sounds better, doesn't it? Uh, the cribs on next week. Thank you very much. Have a good week, and I'll see you later.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.